Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he puts the eyes in Harmonize. It's Matt Morgan. So Joey, if in the new year you need someone to talk to, get some, you know, feelings worked out, I hear you should actually go to a music director because they always give very sound advice. Excellent. That is, that I... You never fail to impress me with these dad jokes, dude. That I, one's I, rad. What can I say? I, I take a lot of notes, so <laughs> I'm always, always learning. Oh, that's great. All right. Up next, he puts the harm in harmonized. It's Dana Roach. Uh, what do you call an old snowman? Uh, a puddle, probably. <laughs> Water would would work as well, but yeah, Joel, you're, you're gonna do good at this. Did I beat you to your own punchline? You, di- you got you got me. New year, new me. I'm learning. <laughs> I, I'm I feel so powerful right now, Matt. Is this why you do the dad jokes? It, it makes me feel so powerful. Oh. I'm I'm just mad that you soiled his uh his attempt to make a dad joke. <laughs> excellent. That was excellent. Because well, get it? Because they they melt into the, the ground. It, I, I'm explaining I, I the joke, it. which always makes the jokes better. I, I so much this. funnier this way. Yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the Commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data just a little more context. Matt, do you mind telling us what it is that we're talking about in this week's episode? Well, this week's episode, it's cold outside, so we want to warm it up with some hot takes about Commander. Um, really, really get things off on the right foot. Yes, yeah, indeed. Commander hot takes. We'll see where this takes us. Gonna throw a couple of pieces of hopefully wisdom out there that uh, we feel that we don't always necessarily say, and hopefully they they land the way that we want them to. This should be a very interesting episode, but we've got some shout outs to do before we get into that topic. First one, I think Chase, also known as Mana Curves, for their help editing the show. You can find them on Twitter at Mana Curves. We're ecstatic to tell you that EDHREC has also partnered with Coalesce Apparel and Design. Coalesce has an amazing line of magic-inspired apparel, and if you've ever wanted EDHREC shirts or hoodies, you can now go browse the EDHREC collection. Head to Coalesce and use code EDHREC for 10% off your order. EDHREC also streams on Whatnot. Join our content manager, Jason Alt, on whatnot.com slash invite slash EDHREC. And if you sign up with that EDHREC membership code, you get 15 bucks of credit for free. So for Whatnot and for Coalesce, that's code EDHREC. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by liking and subscribing on YouTube, subscribing on your local podcast app, just a great free way to support the show. Or you can go to patreon.com slash EDHRECcast, where if patron tiers of all sorts of levels, whether you want to see everything a day early, we do release episodes a day early to a certain tier of patron, or you just want to join the Discord community that we have going on there. It's great to, over there, great conversations with our patrons. It's so much fun. So there's all of that and more over at patreon.com slash EDHRECcast. And weekly shout out, as always, so Aaron Clem... I don't have anything to go off of Clem. Um, Clementine. Matt. It's your favorite oranges. Vitamin C. There we go. We don't need to make jokes about it. We just need to say thank you so much, Aaron, for supporting us. <laughs> I'm a man of the people. And therefore, <laughs> I, I have certain expectations I have to meet. So, Aaron, I'm sorry if I let you down this week. 
But thank you anyway. <laughs> you have to give the people what they want, and what they want is dad jokes about everything all the time. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, thank you so, so much, Aaron. We really, really do appreciate it. When folks show their support through the Patreon and stuff, like that really warms our like it's it's really cool that when people want to support us that way. It's it's absolutely rad. So thank you so so much. And fellas, let's get into it now. We are going to try giving some commander hot takes. Some I don't know. I I am almost I don't know how to word this. Um, Dana, <laughs> Dana, I almost want to, because, because here's the thing. My first hot take is that most hot takes are bad. So like, <laughs> like, I don't know if that resonates with you, my guy, but I feel like a lot of the time people will say like a big sensational thing and they think that they're doing that thing where they say something so controversial yet so brave when really they're just saying something so controversial. And I don't want us to do that. You know, I don't want us to fall into that. <laughs> so I'm a little worried. I don't know. Magic is a pretty popular game and Commander is the most popular format of a relatively popular game. And the odds that you have stumbled across some keen insight that no one else has stumbled across, <laughs> it's just going to change things forever, is pretty unlikely. Um, so there are definitely um, insights and takes to be had, but the idea that it's revolutionary <laughs> seems very unlikely. Yeah, I guess we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with the main topic. Right, here. Like, I guess. And, and admittedly, we certainly named this episode and had this idea because we know that there will probably be some eyes on it. Like we've certainly seen time and time again that like the negative or the outrage merchant type of content will draw the most views. But like we don't want to like kowtow to that or cater too much to it. But we and, and we don't want to like say something sensationalizing just for the sake of saying it. Like because you will totally find people online who are like, this card is so underplayed and it's fully like a crater hoof behemoth. And you're like, no, oh though, you know? So I don't know. I'm <laughs> I don't know if I'm making a good point here, but I'm hoping that we manage to dodge some of those potholes while we talk about some things that 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 we feel deep within us. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Well, and, and Joey, correct me if I'm wrong. What I think we mean to say when we're launching into this episode is we're not trying to be bombastic. We're not trying to be incendiary with it. But uh, recently, so we, we originally got started talking before the holidays about this topic because uh, member of the commander advisory group, uh, Tim Willoughby, had a hot take thread. And I say hot take, very finger air quotes, uh, because it was just a bunch of nuggets of wisdom that apparently are controversial. <laughs> and so we wanted to kind of take the spirit of that. So, yes, these might be hot takes, but they're really more things that people should be doing that just people kind of maybe look down on or, or not really look down on, but not enough people believe it as much as you'd think they would. Yeah, that was a really, really good thread by Tim. There was like really just cool stuff talking yeah. about in that thread. And that's it was a much better energy than someone who's just like, I don't, I don't know, all mana rocks are a scam or summoning sickness was a mistake. And it's like, that's not a constructive way to begin a dialogue. Like, that's not great. So anyway, I, that, I've already waffled a whole lot before we even get into this. So Matt, maybe, maybe you should properly start us off with an actual hot take rather than my lukewarm takes. How about, how about we just move on from me? An actual hot take. So, <laughs> so I guess this is a little bit of a hot take because uh, people like playing powerful cards, but I'm going into 2023 with the opinion that format staples, and I'm using air quotes again for people who don't have video, but yeah, air mm -hmm. quotes of format staples, they've never been less important than they are right now. And I mean that because the power gap between the top 1% of the cards in the format versus the other 99%, that seems to shrink every single set that comes out with just the, the, the rate of power creep. It is power creep, honestly, coming from Wizards of the Coast. The, the the gap in power between the most powerful card and the next in line and the next in line, it's never been smaller. You don't need the Cyclonic Rifts anymore in order just to compete with, you know, Joe down the street. You can play with pretty much anything. So I I don't think you have to have the staples, the 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 best of the best, the the D tutors, Cyclonic Rift, all of those. You don't really need those as much because the gap in power these days it just gets smaller and smaller with every single set. The the syndrome line from Incredibles kinds that come to mind, the if, if everything's special, nothing is. If everything is a bomb, nothing is, right? <laughs> to a degree. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if, every, if every card is a staple, um, which at, at this point, there's a lot of super powerful cards in the commander deck, more than you can probably run in your list, then that really eliminates kind of the whole notion of staples. That's not to say there aren't some cards. I mean, they're never going to print a better white or blue spell than to plowshares. It's never going to happen. So, like, that's always going to be a staple that goes in that deck. Right. But 
you can probably run a replacement for source to publishers. It's not as definitely not as good, but it's going to probably get the job done. Like there, there's, we're at the point now where even if you don't run those those few perfect cards, there's other cards that get you real close in a way that maybe didn't happen five years ago. And that unlock more fun play patterns too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like like there, we talk about all the time on on the show about how there's options that they're going to do the same thing, but they're going to be a little more on theme. Uh, say you don't have Deadly Rollick, but you have Asterion's Thirst instead. So you're able to yeah. still kill a creature, but if you're playing a plus one, plus one counters deck, you just get counters that just buy into your theme, and you're still getting the removal effect. Mm-hmm. There's just so many different versions of that for whatever deck you're building. Yeah, Like, honestly, I would say 98% of games, unless you're playing at the, the, the CEDH level, and everything is absolutely optimized to a T, you don't really need all of these staple cards. You can get by with cards that are on theme that are just going to have a more fun play pattern, like you said, Joey. Well, and I feel like the idea of the staple or the must play is itself the kind of thing that we ought to retire from our brains. hundred percent. There are certainly cards that you're like, oh, yeah, this would be so good in my deck. But like the number of times that we've seen people say, this is an auto-include in Moldrotha. This is an auto-include in Atraxa. This is an auto-include and auto-include. And it's just like, all right, buddy, there are 200 auto-includes that you've reported here from Moldrotha. I, I, I can't play them all in a Moldrotha deck, though. So, like, we do have to actually start to get choosing. And if they all feel like auto-includes, where's the moment where we get to put some creativity and some zest and our own personal flair into it? And that is a thing that, Matt, I know you're a huge champion of, and I feel like that's at the root of the thing that you're saying here. Where, like, yeah, give more room to yourself and don't feel like any cards... Like, you'd be a bad player for not playing any of those cards because the idea of them being a must-play... Like, no, assert your own agency in the game. Yeah, like, like yes, you have to have flour in order to make pancakes. But if you only have <laughs> flour, your pancakes aren't going to be very good. You have there to have you other go. things there. So, <laughs> I, I, did I, did I, am I a chef now? Did I do it? You metaphored good. <laughs> I metaphored it. Okay, there we go. Perfect. As, as someone who has fairly recently had <laughs> almond pancakes, I can tell you for certain you're correct, Matt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> flour, a very important for. You need some. You need to put a little syrup on there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some chocolate chips if you're feeling spicy. Syrup can't make up for pancakes made with with acorn and almond (laughs) flour. Yeah. (laughs) Oh goodness! I I am already disinterested for you. So let's (laughs) let's move on from this metaphor because that sounds terrible. (laughs) Oh no! (laughs) So the the one I will I will start us off here with. Three mana ramp is unplayable is a thing I have seen people written and and said on more than one occasion recently. Mm -mm. And don't get me wrong. I have decks that vastly prefer two mana ramp. um, And there's probably enough two mana ramp these days that you don't have to run three mana ramp. But the statement that it's unplayable um, (laughs) is ridiculous. And... I understand, again, we're, we're, we're talking, we're not talking CEDH here, and I understand the logic there where you need the perfect, most efficient mana base possible. Sure. But if you're not playing CEDH, you've already conceded that you're not playing a perfect mana base. So the fact that I don't want to play a perfect mana base, but simultaneously this one that's slightly less efficient but does offer additional upside isn't good enough for my deck is ridiculous. And and I think you're just repeating someone else, something someone else told you. I don't think you actually have thought that through because there's a lot of really effective three mana ramp spells that work in a whole lot of decks. Um, and again, I'm not saying they work in every deck, but there's plenty of decks that have absolutely no problem running three mana ramp. If not, are not, are, are better for running some of those, those, mm-hmm. Um, midnight clock or cursed mirror kind of spells, and to just blanketly ignore that and, and, and say that um, n- not only doesn't make you sound clever, but makes you sound like you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but well, and that's such a thing too, because I know Joe, one of Joey's favorite cards from the past couple of years is cursed mirror, mm. and that's a three mana mana rock that has some sort of upside. And and we've praised Watsy for exploring this space. Gavin Verhe has said several times they like doing this, and so saying that either three mana is too slow or it's just not good. Like I, I also struggle with that notion. Uh, I, yes, ideally if you're playing a very low to the ground deck, then maybe you want to prioritize the two mana if possible, but it's not always possible depending on your, the color combination you're playing. So th- saying three mana isn't good enough anymore. I 
I struggle with that notion as well. Uh, unplayable in my specific deck, in my specific meta, um, is a whole different thing than unplayable in a general sense. And, and yes. people want to blanket throw, throw that blanket statement out there, and I, I that's just seems beyond silly to me. And it, yeah. it it also and it's one of those things that's is so silly that makes me have a tough time take the person seriously when they say it. It and and it's one that we I mean we champion the three mana rocks a lot on this show. Like I dare say it's maybe something we've talked about too much potentially. Like <laughs> we keep talking sure. about every week. Yeah, sure. so, so, we're, so we're talking about it now. So right, and, right. and so we see a lot of people give us feedback directly where they're just like no it's actually unplayable you guys are totally wrong about this and it's just like i don't we we don't agree because we have a lot of fun when we play heraldic banner and then all my one ones turn into two ones and then i smash people in the face for 20 damage like that's that's that that feels pretty good actually that's that's really yeah really great and and yeah so like just just in the way that like staple is probably a thing that we ought to retire the, the term unplayable is also a term that i don't like saying because yeah. i don't believe that cards are good in a vacuum. I don't believe that cards are good like as an essence unto themselves. I think that cards are good within context. They are good within a certain type of deck or they might be not as great in another type of deck. Like that is the view that is more complex that we actually ought to sink our teeth into rather than just making blanket statements without nuance. Yeah. Uh, only Sith steal in absolutes, Joey. Wow. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is itself an absolute. Interesting, Dana. How interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually. What is going yeah. on anymore? Well, Joey, why don't you, well, actually us with something of the controversial take then, since, again, we're finding ourselves just watered down with this. <laughs> I, I am a little bit worried. I hope that I manage to phrase this next one well. I don't know if I will, so I appreciate everyone's patience with me in advance. But this is one that I definitely feel down deep in my soul, is that it feels to me a lot of the time that there are a lot of people who watch magic content, commander content, gameplay, stuff like that, not for the purpose of enjoying the content, but for the purpose of trying to outsmart the content. Like people commenting about the mistakes that you made in the game and stuff like that within the comments. And I don't believe that that is the type of thing that makes you a better magic player or a better citizen of the internet. Um, as a recent example, I was on a shuffle up and play episode uh, on Prof's channel, and that was really, really awesome. And in that video, he pulled a dastardly trick on us where we got handed decks we had literally never seen before. And this was like eight months ago, like just decks that none of us knew how to play. And there were a lot of people in the comments who were like, oh, you're misplaying this, you're misplaying this. And it's just like, buddy, I've never seen these cards before. I don't know what to tell you. And so that's just like, yeah, it's not, I don't think that's a very productive energy. And I don't think it is a, a, a great way to engage with content. I think that you should engage with content on its terms rather than trying to outwit it because I don't think that that makes you a better magic player. And enjoying people having fun together is the point of Commander to me. So I hope I've phrased that well. And I don't know if any of that resonates with you guys, but I hope it does. I think you phrased it well, and, and it definitely resonates. I would say, uh, outsmarting me isn't nearly the um, achievement one might want to think it is. I, I have I have a child who started outsmarting me at age three, so just because you've figured out something I missed isn't nearly the achievement you might want it to be. I miss things all the time. It's it's a miracle I show up to record this podcast sometimes. Well, and here's here's the thing where it gets a, a step deeper is that a, a lot of the time, like this will sometimes manifest as people like will go into comments of videos saying, oh, there was a misplay here. But the thing that they're trying to well actually about, they themselves are wrong about <laughs> right, right and i'm just like see see that's what like the desire to try and be the smartest about how this game should have gone or how you think the rules are like that desire will sometimes make you try to correct a thing when it was actually correct in the first place and matt here's a big point that i definitely know that you and i have touched on a lot is that we can't see what's in people's hands during stuff like a gameplay video. Yes. So you don't know what they're sitting on. You you have no idea if they're planning something. All you can see is the actions that are just above board, but they might be hiding a secret from the other players and from the audience. And that's a much more important thing to keep in mind. I think that lesson does make you a better Magic player because you don't know what could happen and you want to be prepared for anything. I think that is a good lesson to, to remember instead of Trying to well, actually, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, unless you have perfect information about what's in the decks, what's in hands, all of that, I really struggle when people backseat play commander, especially when it's on streams or anything like that. It's really, really hard. Like you'll find pro players who go back and watch their replays and try to nitpick themselves and find what could have been a better line. And when people who have made a living playing and winning tournaments even look back and look for ways that they could have improved, I doubt that most of us in real time are going to know everything that could have been done 
better, mm. uh, especially when you don't, like you said, Joey, you don't know people's hands. You don't know things. Um, maybe you forgot about a card they have in the graveyard that they're waiting to reanimate or whatever else is going on. So, yeah. A, sure. There's a lot that goes into making decisions. And so, I I also struggle when people say, oh, this was actually the right call. Well, you don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a, a thorny one. And granted, you know, again, this is a perspective that we might have a little bit, you know, because we are creating content. So we see the YouTube comments, which are like not the overwhelming majority of, of people. Like m there are a lot of types of people who will watch a thing without commenting on it, watch a thing without or even just listen to a thing without um, commenting or whatever. But there's a, a certain type of, of attitude that I see online that I don't think is always the, the type of attitude that actually makes us better. And I really hope that it doesn't translate into them correcting other people in real time. Not like that's, I guess, my ultimate worry is that sure. the attitude of backseating, even in a comment section, might translate into an attitude of backseating in real life games and telling other people what the threat is. Like you should be doing this or you ought to be taking care of their commander over there. And that's just like you said, Matt, backseating is just so ah, no, that's such a pet peeve. And I really don't want that. So uh, yeah, kind of, kind of, a, kind of a big one there for me. Um, but yeah, I hope that all of that worked out translated to y'all. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna take a breath here for a moment. Now. Um, the, the next one I have here it piggybacks a little bit off my previous comment about, about three mana being unplayable. Um, and it's that people can get a little bit too hung up, I think on efficiency in commander. Um, you can make your deck too efficient, particularly when you're, you know, not playing at the CEDH level. Um, uh, almost universally, when when you pick a more efficient card, you're giving up some utility, right? So, like the the one that always comes up to me is Nature's Claim. For a single green mana, you destroy artifact or enchantment. You gave the person some life, and and that's it. But it's a hyper efficient removal spell hmm. versus one of my favorite cards, Deglamour, that has quite a bit more utility baked into it in that it can hit indestructible or you can wreck atop a deck tutor or it doesn't generate death triggers, whatever. Um, but it costs an additional colorless mana. So like you are playing a less efficient spell to gain utility. Um, I understand why CEDH players want to play Nature's Claim. Like the way that format works, you need to have optimal efficiency to be able to get things done that you need to get done. Uh -huh. That isn't true necessarily outside of CEDH. Maybe in your particular meta it is, I guess. But but what I'm saying is understand the situation and understand what you're giving up to achieve that efficiency. Because you can absolutely, for the sake of efficiency, sacrifice too much power and wind up with a deck that's more efficient, but not strong enough or unable to win games the way you want it to. That's just something I think people need to be cautious about is not assume efficiency is the be all and end all of, of deck power. Your deck can be less efficient and be stronger than it would be if it was more efficient in situations. So, so understand what, what you're giving up and whether or not that applies to where you're playing and the power level you're playing at. So Dana, I, I love this point. Actually, I had a fairly similar point that I'm just going to piggyback off of yours where not optimization doesn't only apply to power levels anymore. Uh, it used to be, oh, well, I optimized the deck. I made it as efficient as possible. But I think there's multiple ways. And I've, I've struggled with this, trying to figure out a way to, to word this thought process. So I guess we'll do it here in real time. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but the, the ways to optimize a deck, there it can be you can optimize it socially. So you're taking out, say, I know... Uh, CAG member Rachel Weeks always talks about, well, board wipes, they just elongate the game to make the game drag out forever. So maybe you're optimizing a game for social situations where you're taking out your third and fourth board wipe because you don't want games to go on that long. So maybe you, you get one. If you don't, it whatever. It's a social experience. But also, Dana, you've joked about your Gliss of the Trader deck, how you have to play early in the night, you're going to miss too many triggers, stuff like that. So maybe you optimize it for your own experiences. Yeah, that way, yeah. maybe you're, yes, there's a card that might be absolutely fantastic, perfect for Glissa, but you don't play it because you just know you're going to miss too many triggers or you're not going to be able to play it very well. Mm. So maybe you optimize it so that you're able to play it better. So there's optimization doesn't only apply to how efficient and powerful the deck is. You can optimize it on different axes, axes 
however you say that word, <laughs> there's different ways you can optimize a deck and it doesn't just apply to power level. I love that. And you know what? Here's a thing. Like, I don't know, maybe I've been too online, but like when you were talking there, you mentioned CAG member Rachel Weeks saying, you know, uh, sometimes board wipes can have the effect of drawing out the game and reducing enjoyment. Mm -hmm. But like Rachel Weeks is not anti-board wipe. Like, no. and that's, that's yes. a level of nuance that the internet sometimes does not possess. And so I feel the need to like clarify real quick that Rachel Weeks also plays board wipes. We've seen her on game nights casting ruinous ultimatums and things like that, you know, like, but there's also just, you know, there's an extension to that, that like the primary thing that is at the forefront here, as you said, is the social experience. And yes, that is a thing that you can also optimize for. And that we have loved to do like we enjoy playing cards that our opponents like losing to is a common refrain that we constantly uh, like to bring back up and that's one more example of it yeah well because i think we all in, in kind of experienced that speaking of doing things in real time matt when when the pandemic hit and we all found ourselves only playing on spell table mm -hmm. uh, we all had to tweak our decks in one way or another to optimize that experience whether it was remove cards that like interacted with players in strange ways you know play a card from someone's hand or whatever um or just because like you didn't want to be tutoring as much when people couldn't see what you were doing and it just felt weird that was one of the things i that was when i started removing tutors um so there's a lot of things that like you optimize for the play experience versus maybe necessarily power and sometimes the game is better for having done that for sure well and that's another thing too is I know this is kind of controversial for some playgroups, but taking out fetch lands is a way to optimize because you're saving time shuffling and spending all this time searching for lands and all that stuff. Mm. Plus, I mean, you wear out your sleeves faster. That's kind of a, <laughs> an unsaid benefit, but I guess there is one. But yeah, taking out fetches could be a way of optimizing for just time. That way you're not spending <laughs> minutes at a time shuffling, trying to find everything. It slows the game down so much. And so maybe that's another way that you can optimize for the, the social exper experience. And, and going back to how it can also be a personal thing, like so a little while ago, I made a video about ranking uh, all of my commander decks about how often, uh, by how often I actually play them. And that was a very fun video to do. And in that video, I discovered like while I was talking about it, I was like, wait, why did I stop playing my Rayhan and Ishai deck as often as I did? Oh, yeah, it's because I had a whole bunch of like literally the example you just said, a whole bunch of fetch lands were in it. So I actually ended up taking the fetch lands out of that one and replace them with another type of duel or, or something like other three color, whatever. And I did start grabbing that deck more often because I wasn't having such a headache in the early turns, constantly shuffling. So like, Matt, your example right there isn't just hypothetical. I literally lived that exact experience. Yeah, it's just something that it, it comes down to a personal preference, but be like, how much do you value your time? Do you want to maybe squeeze out a percentage point or two in favor of having the games draw out that much longer? And also, that's it's the budget. How much money do you want to put into these fetch lands yeah. that all they do is is drag the game out? So do you want to speed things up and maybe take it a little lighter on your wallet? It's just it's all personal preference, but I know I've seen a lot of players kind of leaning towards well, let's just let's just get this done with. We've been here for an hour and a half. I want to get to something else. Well, while it's been fun challenging some of these assumptions, I Dang think it. we could also maybe take a little nope. pause here, challenge some stats. Challenge stats. Uh, there it is. Am I am I going to get any of the segues in any of the shows in 2023 or New New Year's resolution? That was the best. That was the best segue we've maybe ever done. So well played, Dana. Wow. All right. Yeah. Let's take a break and then come back with some challenges, <laughs> you guys. Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. All right. Well, since you guys keep stealing my segues, I'm going to do the first challenge. The stats this episode does payback for you. So I'm going to get into mine here. And I know actually, actually, Joey, we're going to let you do it first. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about Crux of Fate and Zayatora decks, Matt. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> 
Speaking of board wipes, I really enjoy board wipes that like leave your stuff alone that can be one sided like those do progress a game real fast. And the card Crux of Fate is a dragon specific board wipe that currently only shows up in 16% of the 3600 Zyatora decks out there. That as a reminder is the three black black sorcery choose one destroy all dragon creatures or destroy all non dragon creatures and Zyatora the incinerator is a super popular new Capenna commander that is a demon dragon. So if you cast this, you could potentially keep your commander in play. But not only that, there are also just by happenstance, a lot of dragons that also happen to appear in the average Zyatora decklist as well. Like Goldspan Dragon, for example, shows up in 43% of the 3600 Zyatora decks out there. Or Quarvold is another very common card that you'll see in a Zyatora deck. Old Nawbone as well. So there are a lot of incidental dragons. And I just think that this is a really great board wipe for this deck where your commander will be unaffected by it and a bunch of really great creatures in the 99 would be unaffected by it too will occasionally your opponent have a dragon or a changeling that lives sure but is it worth it to keep your commander and a bunch of other stuff like old Nawbone alive i really think so so this is a one-sided board wipe that i think would be really really effective for this jund dragon commander i hope you all enjoy it all right i'm all done with my challenge let's move it on well, Joey, I'll chime in now because I have a patron submitted the challenge of stats this week. So Discord member Viventus Moores chimed in, and which they, they did in the Discord, which you can join at patreon.com slash if you're so inclined. But they submitted Osgir the Reconstructor, which everybody knows. It's the most played Boros commander of all time now. Skyrocket in popularity. But there is one card that they noted uh, that might actually be a little bit better than what currently is going on. So they noted that only 45 Osgear the Reconstructor decks are playing Thornbite Staff. So Thornbite Staff is two mana for an equipment that says equipped creature has pay two mana and tap it. This creature deals one damage to target creature or player. And whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, untap this creature. And then whenever a shaman creature comes into play, you may attach Thornbite Staff to it. So if you're looking at Osgear the Reconstructor, you already have a Sacrifice Outlet. And Viventus Moores goes on to say, Oh, reliable herself, Thornbite Staff gives Osgear the ability to untap himself whenever he sees a creature enter any graveyard from the battlefield. What makes this combination even more potent is the fact that Osgear has a Sacrifice ability built into him already. Mm. This means you can tap him to reanimate something from your graveyard, sacrifice one of the tokens to copy him, untap him, then reanimate something else from your graveyard. It's a combo piece it's, that's fantastic. It also goes well with Brea's Apprentice, Meteor Golem, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh. So there's a lot of sauce that you can do with this little one-two punch. So Ventus Moors, this is a fantastic catch. This is one that Thornbite Staff, I don't believe it's been reprinted back since back in Lorwyn block. Now, mm -hmm. historian Dana Roach, you, you may be able to correct me here. Uh, but it's been a while, and Thornbite Staff isn't even a cheap card anymore. I, I want to say it's it's creeping north of $15, so not even a it's a, not even a budget option anymore, but the power is certainly there. So Paventus, great catch. I absolutely love this. Um yeah, this is this is just a really, really nice energy. And yes, Matt, it, it hasn't even had a list reprint. It's had nothing since Lorwyn. It was was a morning tide, I want to say. It was morning tide. There and we Matt, go. I have to correct you. Osgir is not the most popular Boros commander. He's Lorehold. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my god. You We were talking about people well actuallying, right? This is Got the him. well actually show. <laughs> I'm about to reach through the screen and <laughs> boop you on the nose. Dana, 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 get to the challenge before I dwell on this too much. <laughs> Save me, Dana. <laughs> so my challenge this week is for Nylea's Colossus, which is a card we talked about when it was released, um, and a couple of us were fans of it when we did the original preview show for it, but I don't think we've really addressed it very much since then. And it, it's a six in green, so seven mana total for a enchantment creature giant, so it being an enchantment is relevant. It's a six six and has constellation. Whenever Nylea's Colossus or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, double target creature's power and toughness until the end of turn. <laughs> in, in, in Enchantress decks sometimes really struggle to find a way to win a game. They are very efficient. They draw a lot of cards. They do a lot of things. One of the things they tend to struggle with is actually killing people sometimes. Nelly's Colossus just reads kill target player. And it's, <laughs> it, unlike something like Crater Hoof Behemoth where you use it and hope you kill everyone that one turn or you, it's used up and done for the most part, now, at least Colossus comes down, maybe kills one person, and if it sticks around, or or if you have more than enough mana, which is something that Enchantress decks often do, it's something that can kill multiple people once you start doubling and tripling multiple creatures' power with it. It is a ridiculously powerful effect, and if you're playing an Enchantress deck with access to green, 
you probably should have this in your deck as a way to close things out. It's a disgusting card and just should see more play than the 8,000 decks it's in right now. Hot dang. Yeah, this is also like... I think we mentioned it earlier, like things that you'd be excited to lose to. Sure. Yeah. This is a card I'm excited to lose to. Like a crater hoof. I've seen it, been there, done that. But Nylea's Colossus made your thing an uncountably large, uncountably large. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. Is that the technical term, Joey? Uncountably large? <laughs> yes. But make sure that the thing, the uncountably large slash uncountably large creature has um, some form of evasion because otherwise I will block it with my zero one plant token. And right. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, really, really fun card. All right, cool. Let's uh, segue back into our topic. We've got more hot takes to dish out, I assume. Uh, so Dana, if we're going to pass it back to you, what's another scalding hot take or potentially lukewarm take? It's totally <laughs> up to you that you would like to uh, bring out. now. I've got one here. Um, players probably don't run enough lands, but... Missing land drops isn't necessarily a function of not having enough lands in your deck once you're, say, in the upper 30 <laughs> land range. Hmm? I, I would say more often than not, it's a function of not having enough draw in your deck, particularly I, I, I knew where you were going with this as soon as you opened up, Dana. <laughs> yeah. If you're at like 37 or 38 lands and you find yourself missing land drops... The solution to that isn't to add three more lands in, it's to add three more draw spells in. Not only... Is that going to probably fill the void for those lands and get you more lands into your hand at the point in time when you need them? That's never going to be a dead draw on turn 10 when you are already holding, you know, three planes in your hand and you draw that fourth because you're running 46 lands. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a card that's still going to be playable and still going to hopefully draw you down into something else. Um, so, again, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people out there that aren't running enough lands in their deck. But just because you're not hitting your land drops, it isn't necessarily because of that. Oftentimes, I think it's because you're not drawing enough cards. Matter of fact, I would dare say just in general, I see more decks that aren't running enough draw spells than I do see decks that aren't running enough lands. It, yeah, I... I, I I don't know where I would fall on that. I do feel like, I, I don't know, I do the upping the average series on this channel, for example, and it's pretty common for me to open up an average deck list and it's just like, it's 33 lands and the commander is seven mana. And I'm like, how? Like that right. just doesn't, I'm just like, okay, you need some more. But for I sure. agree, more card advantage is going to help you out in all of those situations as well. So like cosine is what I'm trying to say. And yeah, I would agree. Like 33, unless you're playing CEDH, is probably not nearly enough. But like, if you're still struggling at 38, that's almost always going to be a function of you just not drawing enough cards or filtering through enough cards or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and again, it's nuanced because there are some archetypes like elf ball decks, for example, don't want to play 37 lands. That would be ludicrous. They want to play closer to like yes. 32 or 33 maybe because so many of the cards in that deck are mana dorks that produce a whole bunch of extra mana. And so like your curve matters, the strategy matters. But generally speaking, I do tend to start around 37 or so. And then I also tend to start around like a dozen or so draw or velocity effects because, yeah, I want to get those lands. <laughs> I want to actually be able to play my game. Okay, so, so Joey, you're talking about mana, playing lands, all that stuff. I, I'm going to make probably the most controversial thing I've said on the podcast ever. I'm going to say that the ABU duels, so we're talking Underground Sea, Plateau, uh, Savannah, those, those, the original dual lands, those may be the most overrated cards for Commander, full stop. That's not a uh, controversial take at all, Matt. That's just true. Uh, yeah, but but looking at social media, looking at some of the, the comments that we get, uh, you would swear that these are required. But in 2023, where we've gotten so many rare land cycles, we've kind of hinted at this before, but I'm going to definitively say this episode <laughs> that I think that the ABU duels, especially for the amount of power that they add to a deck for the money that you have to invest into them. Uh, they are absolutely not necessary. And they're, I would just argue they're just overrated that no cycle of cards or just cards in general might be more overrated for commander than the original ABU duels. The, the amount that they will affect your win percentage is vanishingly minuscule. I, I absolutely agree. I just, I don't think that's even a controversial, I don't know if that's a hot take. That feels, that feels like a pretty, like that's a take take. Like that's a, well, it's, it's just a take. Yeah. It's, it's just a take then. But, and, and I'm not saying they're not powerful, but the, like I said, when I mentioned earlier that the power gap between the top, the top 1% of cards with the rest of the, the field this especially is where the, the gap has gotten extremely small. There's so much that you can do with all your rare lands. I I just don't see, especially for the, the, the price that you have to pay, I don't think these are worth it at all. So so I will throw some personal experience in here. Um, 
up until about half of this year, I had dual lands, ABUR duels in all of my decks. I was lucky enough to get them when they were relatively inexpensive. And I had them for every deck I had built. Just It just worked out that way. Or the couple I didn't have, I, I had picked up, again, fairly cheaply. So if I was running an Izzet deck, I had a Volcanic Island. If I was running a Azorius deck, I, I had a Tundra. And I wound up taking them out in the middle of the summer or so. I was trying to put some money together to to buy Twitter, and it, it wound up not working. But Wow! Um, <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd have done a better job, but whatever. Let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> So, so, so I want up getting rid of all my all my ABUR duels, and I honestly can say since I've done that, I I don't know if I've noticed one time where I've been in a situation where like I wish I I had that to go get here. I I, I just I literally don't think it's made a difference at once in any of my decks. Now, granted, I'm I'm playing two color decks almost exclusively, so you know I I don't maybe need the fixing as badly as as you might in say a five color deck where it's it maybe a little bit more beneficial to be able to you know fetch into an untapped duel um but for me it, it's it's been in, entirely irrelevant not having them in my decks yeah i absolutely feel you on that um and i guess that actually matt that makes me want to jump into a thing that i think might be a a, a controversial thing that i say specifically to you actually i think this might be a point upon which we disagree so i hope you're ready for that okay um because i know a thing that you've mentioned before is that you are not a fan of the way that wizards of the coast has uh been designing explicitly you know it does card designs explicitly for the commander format and you preferred mm-hmm. uh the, the time when wizards of the coast just let commander players figure their own stuff out and they were right. catering right. so much to it my and, and dana i guess you also share that uh perspective to an extent as well i, I know that matt has said it more explicitly but i don't I don't, I don't want to assume anything but i know that matt's definitely said it a lot my thing my thing here is that it is fine that wizards of the coast designs for the commander format it's the thing that I think isn't fine is when they started to do the designing for Commander at the expense of other formats. That yes. to me is my line. Whereas, like the yo, here are some things that Commander players will like. I don't have any problems with that at all. Like I've, I've mentioned it before, Gray Merchant of Asphodel was a pre-Commander design kind of design, or Ristic Study. Like that's not a very good card for the format with the play patterns it encourages and how much of a nuisance it is. So that was like a pre-EDH focused type of design that I don't really like. And I do like a lot of things that were designed explicitly for Commander. I think there are some really great Commander designs like, you know, Baldur's Gate was a, a set that we totally like a whole lot of Legends from. And that wouldn't have happened unless they were designing for Commander. But when they make commander designs that stomp all over other formats, that's when I'm like, okay, Watsi, let's take a seat, babes. Like this, this ain't good. This ain't good for us. So that's my line. And I don't know where you feel on that, but I hope that we can have an actual dialogue about it instead of, you know, doing the internet thing of yelling at each other or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. So, so I absolutely do love the distinction that you, that you made of. It's not that you don't want commander to be the, the, not the focus, but a major consideration I think is, is a fair fair point to make when it comes to designing cards. I think that's totally fair, but at the expense of other formats, because legacy has been kind of upturned a little bit and eternal formats always seem to uh, true name nemesis years ago, kind of put legacy up into a tizzy. So right. yes, at the expense of other formats is a really, really good distinction that I can actually hundred percent get on board with. Um, I, my original sentiment of, I, we don't need, Wizards of the Coast designing cards for Commander. I think that more was a, a broad thing because we will get by with everything. But when we see stuff like Corvold was kind of this the scourge, if you if you will, of of standard for a little bit uh, because it was so hard to get. It was designed for Commander only. You could only get in the brawl precons, but also it. In, in in competitive formats and sixty card formats, there is such a thing as must plays, and Coral become became a must play card for a certain strategy, and it just was absolutely just a mess because it tur- it wasn't designed for standard, but it was standard legal for some reason beyond me. <laughs> yeah. And so yes, when, when people are designing cards for Commander, but it spills over into other formats, that's where I really struggle with with how things are kind of getting intermingled between yeah companion doesn't even do what it's supposed to do because they wanted commander to be in standard and that just didn't work so yes that that is such a great example for it yeah yeah when when you see cards that were designed for commander ruining other formats that's where i have the issue and i'm just like you don't need to do this for us we'll be just fine 
Yes. And I completely am on board with your like, we will be just fine. If they stopped designing stuff for Commander, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, we'll be good. That's that's we a lot of people might even prefer it that way. I'd be fine with that, too. I'm I'm generally only it's only a problem for me when like, you know, the initiative did whatever the initiative did to legacy, for example. I'm like, ah, this is an issue. And it, and it creates, again, such a, a horrible thing online where a lot of people who play legacy get mad at Commander players as though we're the ones who were at fault for that. And it's just like we didn't make the cards. I don't know what to tell you. So like it just gets all types of thorny. And that's where I'm like, that, that, that is why that's my line. So, <sighs> so, so I have some things to, some things to say about this and some thoughts. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so one of the things we've lost out on is that sense of exploration. They're, they're printing for commander and they know exactly for the most part, what the card they print is going to wind up doing. Mm. So it, it's, it's very challenging to find a commander and brew it in a way that hasn't already been planned out in advance. And, and known that you would do that thing with it. Whereas once upon a time, you would find this card printed, you know, back on Odyssey block and be like, oh, wait a minute, I can use this commander to do this thing and build a stack. And like, there was this sense of discovery there. Um, and, and I think back to like when I first started playing, you know, World of Warcraft, um, there were situations where like I would find myself in a zone late at night winter spring would be the one that springs to mind and there's nobody there and and i don't know if anyone on my server had been there yet like i had anyone figured out how to get through this tunnel to get to this thing yet there's nobody here right now i've never been here possibly no one on the server has been here and like that sense of wonder and exploration um is a really really cool thing hmm. but that's not replicatable it's not replicatable in world of warcraft because it requires like this giant amount of content that they're just they made on release and they will never make again and it's not replicatable in commander because it requires this backlog of 20 years worth of legends that no one was using in this format for years so like that thing is gone but it's not gone because they print for commander it's gone because it can't exist again so while i miss that that isn't the fault of them printing for commander um, and i do think people conflate those two things they feel that sense of wonderment is gone which it is but that's got nothing to do with the fact that like they're printing for commander and everything to do with the fact that the format is just different and there's a lot of folks playing it and frontiers can only be explored once before they're no longer a frontier yeah Wow. Uh, um, sorry, just I'm, I'm so moved. Uh, I'm so moved. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so so right. So, so while I miss that, I, I get why it's why it's not a thing. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming anyone for that thing. I, I do think my one complaint I had about them printing for commanders. There was a window where they weren't just printing for commander. They were printing to make cards be the most desired card to use in commander and whatever color pair they were mm. um there was a conscious attempt i i, I felt like in, in in knowing how business works and the desire to sell product there was an attempt to make chulane the best band card ever printed or best band commander ever printed an attempt to make Marin the strongest golgari reanimator thing ever done and Meldrotha being the only thing you wanted to play in um in salty colors but I feel like they've moved past that phase of design as well. So like I definitely had an issue with that where it felt like they were printing these commanders that kind of forced people to play them or you were going to be doing weaker things and everyone else, every other commander could do in that color pair. But again, I think they've moved past that. So like we're, I, I no longer feel like we're in the state of design where they're, where they're doing that. So I, I actually kind of am I'm, I'm bored with you. I think it's fine. And, and, and I also think that it's 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 accidentally corrected an issue I also kind of used to have when I first started playing where a set would come out and there'd be like five legends in the set. So you'd get hyped to build that one legend and show up at your LGS, you know, that week and four people would have built that same deck because, <laughs> sure. because there was five commanders, right? And two of them were bad. So, so like people would build the three that weren't and you would just have a ton of overlap. Nowadays... There's 50 legends per set, and there's a new set coming out in two weeks. Like, there's a really good chance that even if you grab the most popular commander from your set, you're going to show up at your LGS and no one else is going to have that deck just because mathematically that's just how that breaks down. So I think they've accidentally also, like, addressed a weird issue that used to exist where you just see different decks constantly because there's so many different brewing choices. And I, I, think, I think that's healthy for the format as well. And I like seeing that. I like seeing that many different decks. And many times I can go a month without playing the same deck twice. That's fantastic. Dana, that, that definitely hits with me. Like that, that is definitely a silver lining of the fact that they're making, you know, a hundred new <laughs> legends every set. Right, right. And, and I'm not, 
saying I want them to go back to only making like five or something legends per set either. But but so so like but this is where the nuance re-enters the conversation again. Like as you said, when they design those commanders to do a very specific thing, we end up with a lot of decks that can feel prescriptive. Uh, like how we've seen in the data that Kadena or Gavi decks or things like that tend to look extremely similar from one player to the next. Like those commanders' designs don't leave a ton of wiggle room because they're so specific in their strategy. And like a lot of people would blame, quote, net decking as the culprit there. But like the reality of having 30 plus legendary creatures every set release is that those designs have to be super niche. And the more niche a commander is, the smaller its pool of synergies is going to be. And the more you'll have to rely upon the best of that small pool. And so your deck is inevitably going to look just like someone else's deck with the same hyper niche strategy. So, you know, that's all, you know, a lot. <laughs> it's uh, and, and also, I guess I'll I've voiced this on episodes before, but I guess I'll state it again here as well. But like my other big beef with getting so many legends every set is that Watsi really quickly refashions or, or repurposes some of the exact same designs in quick succession. So uh, like we had Wolfgar who doubles attack triggers. And then shortly afterwards, we got Ishin who doubles attack triggers or this past year we just recently got celestine an awesome new take on mono white she reanimates your stuff based on life gain that's really cool and then we immediately afterwards got rodolph who is orzov and who reanimates based on your life gain it's the same thing we just saw and so yeah that repetitiveness just feels like also kind of eh. and this is also to say nothing of the way that all of these increased number of legends is a thing that we've seen affect watsi's design choices in other ways like we've seen them play faster and looser with making non-legendary copies of things uh, so anyway, yes, there's definitely the silver lining, but I guess I just I'm trying to say that I still have uh, I still have angst about this. And as a consumer, I'm not sure what else to do except to just voice the concern. And as a player, I am not sure what else to do about it except to just recenter myself and figure out the stuff I like and what makes me drawn to the game in the first place. But yeah, it's all complicated. <laughs> yeah, there's just no perfect iteration, I don't think, right? Like the system was it was flawed before and it's it's got, <laughs> it's got different flaws now and there's there's no way to combine those things in a perfect way to eliminate all the flaws. So yeah. it's just a matter of like uh, embracing the good of the current situation and and you know uh, understanding that there's no way to have there not be downsides. And I I I agree Dan. It, it it's really hard to narrow it down. So with that said, though, I'm going to hop into my last point. And this one, Joey, I know this is actually a hot take because every time we've hinted at it in previous episodes, the, the comment section has gotten uh, lively, to say the least. So one point <laughs> okay. that I, I see more and more folks talking about that I I want to firmly stand in advocacy of is you should never feel afraid to walk away from a game because a pregame conversation gives you the, the feeling that the game is not what you are looking for. So if if you sit down and you're talking with folks about maybe playing a game together and three people want to play something super silly and janky and you want something high powered, you absolutely should feel no pressure. Say, you know what, I'm actually, I, this is what I'm kind of looking for and, and it looks like you you three want something else. Um, I'll just go find a different pod. That, that, that's fine. That is not a, a bad thing that you should feel ever feel ashamed of, of mm. saying. Um, and, and likewise, if, if you have three people that want to play something high powered and you're just like, I just want to kind of like dink around a little bit. I have this chair tribal deck that I want to try out. <laughs> Absolutely go do that. Find the games that are worth it for you to play. If you can't find a pod, like there's no shame in walking away, looking for a different pod, especially if you go to bigger events, say you go to a, a magic fest or whatever, you are going to find a different pod. So you shouldn't feel pressure to sit down and, and take part in a game that you maybe don't have the best feeling about. Um, this is this is one that, especially as a content creator, I, I don't want to sit down and put people through a game that maybe they weren't expecting or, or on board with. Say, yes. I, I, I absolutely want everybody to, to feel like they signed on and got exactly what they wanted. And so if that means one person walks away or, or I'm the one that walks away, 
nobody should ever feel bad because a game was shaping up to be something they didn't want to participate in. Uh, so I, for some reason, that's still controversial, but it it should not be at all. This should be a take, not a hot take. I am. Uh, yeah, it, it like it. Huh. No one is entitled to your time. Absolutely. But just not. Like, Absolutely not. Right. Like, yeah. And so, yeah, people think that it's rude if you leave. Like, no, you. You know, you are a, a, a grown person who knows what's good for them and you know what's not good for you. And if stuff isn't meshing and you don't feel comfortable doing the thing, yes, yeah. And I have seen plenty of the rhetoric online that you're referring to, Matt. And it sucks that people think that you are, that you'd be rude if you asserted your boundaries and you held fast to what you do and do not want to do. Like, ah, uh, goodness. Yeah, you're right. That shouldn't be a hot take. Not at all. But I have seen people try to argue to the contrary. And it's, it looks foolish when they try to argue to the contrary. No one is entitled to you, but you. And uh, yeah, ba boundaries are one of the most. Well, go ahead, Dana. I, I keep thinking of there's a line in the movie Girls Point Blank where he says, "If someone sends me to your house, there's a reason I'm there. If someone walks away from a game, <laughs> like there's a reason they're walking away. It, is someone occasionally overreacting and being a you know baby about it? Sure, that's going to definitely happen. Like for the most part, if someone feels strong enough about a situation where they're going to just scoop and like not play for whatever reason they're doing so because they legitimately feel strongly about it. And that's perfectly okay. If not healthy. Yeah. Mm. It, it, nobody, like you said, Joey, boundaries are a great thing. Boundaries are one of the healthiest things you can have as a magic player, whether it's how much you get invested in the, in the game or whatever that is. So setting your own boundaries. I, I don't want you to be, to feel forced to sit down and play a game with me, but don't lock me in on the other side as well. I, I just, Again, like I, I'm, I'm getting flustered. Even talk about this because th yeah. this is one thing that every time I see somebody say, "No, you shouldn't walk away after a pregame conversation," that in no way is is a contract that says, "Okay, I'm now I'm going to play the game with you." It's let's find something, and if we can't find an agreement, then we'll go find somebody else that that wants that same experience. So. Yeah, th this one, I absolutely, it, it frustrates me to no end when people feel entitled to somebody else's time because you, you I'm, I'm guessing you wouldn't like it if the tables were reversed. It, and especially the thing, uh, this is also, oh man, okay, we are getting a little bit flustery. Oof. Uh, <laughs> it, like this is also the kind of thing that like it still happens where people do still misrepresent what their decks are doing even in those pregame conversations. Like, oh, you know, this is a deck that Absolutely. plays, this is a pillow fort deck when actually it's like full of the Armageddons and the winter orbs. And it's just like, that ain't what pillow fort means though. That, that's what stacks means. That different. And that's not necessarily what I signed up for. And even if we're already deep into a game, that is a moment that I would have to reevaluate and be like, is this actually how I want to spend my time? Probably not. And I feel like I was lied to and cheated a little bit from the experience that I had been promised. And yeah, that gets awkward. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure I am spending my time in, in a good way. And if someone was straight up lying, <laughs> like that ain't good. And it's just weird that, yeah, it's weird that there's a, a lot of discussion that tries to deny, I guess, that sometimes those are things that actually occur. Like, that's another thing I've seen. People say that, like, oh, pub stomping doesn't exist and never existed. And it's just like, <laughs> well, I have lived experience where that isn't true, actually. Like, that is a thing that I've had to sit through. And it's potentially even a thing that I've accidentally done to other people, too. And I'm not proud of that. But it's like... Just pretending that it never was a thing doesn't make any sense. And and so, like, yeah, like, <laughs> draw your lines and be encouraged to stand firm on those things. And, okay, the, the flustering, the flustering hit me again. Sorry if I started to soapbox. I don't know if I said any of that well, but. <laughs> no, uh, th that absolutely makes complete sense. And I'm 100% I'm with you guys on this for sure. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It, it, the only thing that got me activated like this is when people were like, Armageddon is a solution to Green's ramp. And it's like, no, that isn't true. <laughs> no. Calm down, y'all. That's like, <laughs> is, 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 are you setting me up for my last hot take here, Joey? Is that your last hot take? <laughs> that is my, that is my last one. I'm psychic. Uh, <laughs> I'm psychic. I was not paying attention to your notes at all. I promise. <laughs> my last one I have here is the, 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 uh, if MLD becomes socially acceptable, it will solve the problem of Green Ramp. You're kidding. Um, there's two problems with that, and, and, and here's here's why. <laughs> either when you say that, either you don't understand that the Selesnia and Gruul decks will just do mass land destruction better than <laughs> anybody else will, while also still ramping, or you're being disingenuous about it because you're the one that wants to do those things with the Selesnia and Gruul decks. And neither of those two things make me want to take you seriously when you offer up that opinion. Um, 
maybe mass land destruction is needed in the format. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to address that here, but it's not a solution to green ramp at all. And if someone thinks it is, I don't understand how you've came to that conclusion. Even if you consider it a solution, like you're not doing the math of the like the collateral damage because there are more people than just the green player at the table who you are also affecting their time to like, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. It, it basically boils down to one person's having too much fun. Now nobody has to have any fun. <laughs> sure. Right. That's kind of how I view it. But quite honestly, if you want me to, to take the next step, the solution to too much green ramp is to tell your friend who's playing too much green ramp, that they're playing too much green ramp and it's super annoying. <laughs> And maybe they should pull a couple of those ramp cards out because it's time consuming and they race ahead of everybody else. And it, it's tough to deal with if you everyone else isn't playing green. Like that, that's the solution usually. I, I feel like the solution is like, I don't know, I've got an Archivist of Ogma on my deck and also the combat step is coming your way. Sure, like, sure, right. That's yeah. where, like, if, if you don't want them to do a bunch of stuff with all of their mana resources, hit them faster. Like, that's right. We, yeah, that, that's kind of where, I'm, that's like the most Matt Morgan thing I've ever said before is like, I want to smash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I say that, but I, I'm not entirely sure I even believe that green ramp is a problem. Like, I, I've right. definitely seen green ramps that have decks that have taken off, but I've seen plenty of green decks that have ramped like crazy and had nothing to do with that ramp either. Like, yes. if you're going to ramp like crazy, you better also be drawing cards like crazy to take advantage of it or it's not doing you any good. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that's the problem people think it is, but that's that's a different thing than I was addressing here. Yeah, yeah. Blowing, blowing up all of the lands because one person had too many lands, like – to me, that's saying scorched earth. Yeah. Every, every, but everything just has to go away instead of, hey, guys, we have a target. We know who the threat is because it's very obvious right there on the battlefield. Right. That's, right. that's where my mind goes to is, oh, Dana's got 13 lands. Joey and I have seven between both of us. So, Joey, would you like to attack Dana because he has too many resources? <laughs> that is exactly. OK, I'm, I'm biased, but that is exactly how the conversation should go. Yes. Just you have public enemy number one. Go after them instead of hurting everybody else because <laughs> right. whoever else the fourth person is, like they don't deserve to have all of their resources stripped away when all they're trying to do is also participate. Yes. Yeah. That's like and I think the root of the the statement like, oh, Armageddon would be a solution to green ramp or whatever is like really just an unspoken desire to play in a meta where that would be a good card. Yes. <laughs> and like say that part instead of the the other thing. Like if you want to play in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real solution in when somebody casts an Armageddon is make sure they don't play again next week, which means you slash their tires uh. at their house so that they <laughs> wow. don't make it to the game shop. Exactly. I, no, please actually don't do that. I say that it's complete sarcasm, <laughs> but I, I feel like that will get taken out of context. Context, so. but, but no, I, I definitely get that vibe a lot of times from people who advocate for mass land destruction that they just want to, they, they, they start at the wrong end. They haven't been like, how do we solve this problem? Mass land destruction is the answer. That's not what they do. They start with, I want to play mass, land, mass land destruction because blowing up lands is funny to me. So how can yeah. I tell people this is, that this is why it's a good thing? And I, I do get that vibe a whole ton from, from people that most like like blowing up lands as they're coming at it from their direction and trying to justify what they want to do versus yeah. having that be the actual solution to a problem. And and I don't want this to come across to like, we're saying you should never do it because if you're doing, if, yes. if you're floating 15 mana, you're playing Armageddon and following it up directly with Splendid Reclamation, you're going to win the game next turn. That is absolutely one of, it's a valid strategy for sure. But people who play Armageddon because they want to play Armageddon and they have no follow-up strategy to that or no, <laughs> right. it, it comes down to a socially optimized experience. And Armageddon in a majority of decks is not an optimal card if you're trying to have those positive social exper experiences with other players. That's the big thing. If, if, yep. if you are working on a certain strategy and you play Armageddon, but you're able to follow it up and win the next I would give you five minutes before I just walk away. That's kind of what I would do. I, I don't even know if I would grant the five minutes personally. But like the, the other thing that comes into this is that like, I don't know, heroic intervention is a card, right? So like you might cast the Armageddon thinking that you've got the perfect follow up. You'll be, be the only person with resources and then you'll be able to win the game handily. Someone else has a heroic intervention. Their lands are also safe. Sure. Boom, boom. Someone cheats an Avacyn into play maybe. I don't know. They're like a bunch of wild stuff. And then your strategy didn't work. But there's definitely one person who's screwed over now. And that's the right. thing that really sucks for me. And like, I don't even care about my lands. I care about everyone having a good experience. And did that just take all of the air out of the room? And that's like, you know, again, with the nuance of the stuff and the things and stuff. And like, there is going to be someone who 
didn't get the experience that they wanted. And it's more of an issue if that wasn't mentioned in a rule zero conversation, in a pregame conversation. And Armageddon out of nowhere is the actual problem. And so that's why if you do want to play in a meta where Armageddon is a regular thing, a cool thing, it's a cutthroat type of style that everyone's after, that is the place to start from, as opposed to, you know, the other thing where it becomes accidental, hurt feelings get hurt. And then it leads to all of those online threads where we see, am I the jerk because I did the thing or my playgroup is all picking on me for no reason. And it's just like, there might be a reason, bud. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to fluster again. <laughs> well, Joey, for the sake of our combined blood pressure, we got to, we got to watch out for Dana anyway. So, uh, but let's, right. let's wrap this episode up. I feel like we did enough to stir the the pot for the community. Um, I'm sure we're going to get the comments and that's totally fine. We, we, we love the engagement for sure. Um, but let's mm. wrap up because, uh, my head hurts already. <laughs> Oh, but Matt, I have so many more hot takes that I could, they're scalding hot takes that I could bring. But if we had any more like, hot takes, then we're going to start running a fever, and that's just not healthy. <laughs> so let's Maybe we'll have to just do another hot take show down the road. There we go. So there we go. Ooh, yeah, very, very possible. Very, very possible. Listeners will have to, uh, you'll, you'll have to let us know what are your commander hot takes, and make sure that they're actually hot takes, not... Avacyn is underplayed or, or, or things like that. Let's actually hear some of those things that might be a little bit controversial, but like do have a root of truth in them. Um, and, and again, I hope that we've succeeded in not just being sensationalized about it, but like communicating a lived experience and a thing that might not always go with the wisdom of the masses, so to speak. This is complicated and nuanced. And that's what we like to see is the complication and the nuance because people are very, very complex. And we hope we've been able to share some of that type of experience with you. Okay. But Matt, you're absolutely right. Let's call this episode to a close where is it that our listeners can find us if they want to get in touch with us online yeah so you can find me over at twitter so at mathemus 55 that's m-a-t-h-i-m-u-s-5-5 and don't forget over at twitch.tv slash edhrecast we are streaming every wednesday evening we have games we have guests and it's always a super fun time so make sure you tune in for all of that as well and dana you can find me on twitter at dana roach you can hear me on my other podcast cmdr central i'm writing articles for edhrec and commander's herald and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash edhreccast and i'm joey schultz you can find me at joseph m schultz on the online and you can find the cast at EDH Retcast on Facebook and Twitter and all of those online places too. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at EDHRetcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out once again to Chase for assisting me with the post-production of the show. You can find them online at Mana Curves. Listeners, will be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. <laughs>